Everybody needs somebody in your life who cares enough about you to pick up a burden that's too heavy for you to handle. But Dr. Tony Evans says in order to get help, we need to give help. He can use you for somebody now. Somebody's going to need to be used for you later when your world collapses. This is The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans, author, speaker, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, and president of The Urban Alternative. When it feels like you have nothing left to give, Dr. Evans says one final investment may be exactly what it takes to turn everything around. He'll explain as he takes us to 1 Kings chapter 17 for today's message. Every coach in the NFL has a red flag. This red flag is known as a challenge flag. He throws the red flag out on the field when he disagrees with the call. When he thinks that the official has made a mistake. If the truth be told, we want to throw out our red flag and say, God, you blew this one. You didn't make a good call. I don't like the call you made. I don't like the thing you did. I don't like what you allowed. I don't like it. I don't buy it. I don't want it. And I want you to reverse it. I challenge you. We may have done it a lot of different ways, but there's not too many of us who haven't felt like God made a mistake. And we want to challenge it. Maybe we're too scared to say it. But we know what it is to feel it, to think it, and to even talk to other people about it. In fact, when something like this happens, you're too scared to feel too good about something nice that happens. Because you get a little worried that something's going to go wrong. It's not going to be real or it's going to be snatched back. And so you want a challenge flag. Such is the case of our next experience with the prophet Elijah as we look at experiencing the supernatural. Our goal is for the supernatural to become real to you, through you, for you, and from you. Not merely as a theological concept, but as an experiential reality based on the word of God. Now, this woman has a lot to shout about. I mean, she was down to her last meal. The prophet comes along, tells her what God says. She does what God says. And all of a sudden, she's living large. All of a sudden, the last meal becomes an introduction to a whole bunch of meals because of the promises of God. That had to be an exciting house to be in to see that supernatural move of God. But wouldn't you know it? Just when there's something to shout about. Just when you want to get your praise on. Just when you want to celebrate the goodness of God and the land of the living. We come to verse 17. In chapter 17, verse 17, it says, and it came about after these things, that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick. And his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. Wait a minute. 
God saved this boy's life. He was down to his last meal and he and his mom were going to starve to death. God performs a miracle. He feeds them. And after a passing of time, the boy gets sick. And his sickness gets worse and worse and worse until there is no breath left in him. Uh, That's another way of saying he died. His sickness was so severe that life escaped him. God, wait a minute, you're confusing me. How are you going to save me yesterday and let me die today? How are you going to give me a reason to praise you yesterday and not trust you today? Well, there are a couple of observations here as we introduce this story. Observation number one is victory yesterday doesn't mean a new trial won't happen today. The fact that God came through yesterday doesn't mean I won't need him afresh on a new day. Another observation is trials often come in the very same area that victory was previously experienced. Because victory was experienced in saving the life of her son and now her son who was the subject of victory is now the subject of defeat. So the very thing he gave me is what I'm now losing. That could get downright confusing. Some of us knows what it is to get excited about a blessing only to look at it sometime later and watch it become a curse. To thank God for a mate and then curse God that I got one. (laughs) To thank God for a job and then hate the job I got, it gets so confusing sometimes. God can be downright confusing. And so this house of gladness becomes a home of sadness because the very thing that was delivered yesterday, I'm losing today. So one miracle didn't stop the need for a new miracle. That's our problem. That's the situation we're in. When God saves you yesterday and kills you today. Mm. So now that we have our problem, this woman shares her perspective. So she said to Elijah, verse 18, what do I have to do with you, O man of God? Uh, I hope you heard that. What do I have to do with you? Translation, I don't want nothing to do with you. What do I have to do with you? I don't want to, uh, yeah, I know you're the preacher. I know you're the man of God, but I don't want nothing to do with you. You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. Mm. You came here to ruin my life. Yeah, I know you're a preacher. I know you've, you got the word of God. Yeah, I know something good happened yesterday. But, but you, have, you have ruined my life. What do I have to do with you? She's hurt. She's upset. She's disappointed. We have a lot of things going on in this phrase. Stay with me. 
The first thing is her circumstance. Her circumstance was a negative. She just lost her son. The second thing she says is you're here to point out my sin. You're here to reveal my iniquity because my son died because I'm getting repaid for mistakes I made in my past. Oh, man of God. Now, why does she say this? She calls Elijah the man of God. He's evidently written a room in her house or something because he lives in the upstairs, but she knows him to be a man of God. In other words, this man didn't treat her like other men had. This man didn't abuse her like other men had, and she did not act in concert with this man as she had acted with other men so she could differentiate him as a man of God. And by differentiating him as a man of God, it reminded her of her past relationships with other men who were not men of God. It reminded her of her sin. And she says, my sin has brought this on me and your righteous presence has made me aware of my sin. So she's got a bad situation. She's feeling guilty over her sin that she thinks has caused this situation. So let's get this straight. Her circumstances were controlling her theology. She was believing what she was believing because she was feeling what she was feeling. She's feeling disappointed. She's lost her son. She wraps those two up in a nice bow and she concludes that I'm going to believe this because I see that. I see my son's died. You're reminding me of my sin and that's why I'm in this mess today. Let me start by saying, never let your circumstances determine your theology. Because when your circumstances control what you believe, rather than what God says controlling what you believe, you will always succumb to your circumstances when those circumstances are negative. Now, let's make this clear. You do not skip the reality of your circumstance. The boy had lost his breath. The boy was sick. The boy died. So you don't skip and make up something that's not true. But the truth of her circumstance was dictating what she was to believe about God, about Elijah, and not only about God and Elijah, about her past. Because her iniquity is all up in her face now. Her failure is all up in her grill. There are people who are struggling. If I didn't do what I did yesterday, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I wouldn't be in this messed up situation, this dead situation, this difficult situation. If I hadn't this iniquity. Those kind of people don't want people in front of them who remind them of their sin because that reminds them of why they might be in their circumstances. So the presence of righteousness, the man of God, reminded her of her sin, which she then said is responsible for my circumstances. So she's in turmoil. She's struggling. She's in pain and there's a reason for it. 
Dr. Evans will come back in a moment with more about how difficult circumstances try to control the way we look at life. First, though, I want to remind you, today's lesson is part of a great teaching series from Dr. Evans called Elijah. This six-message collection focuses on the lessons we can learn from one of the Bible's greatest prophets about waiting for God's perfect timing, overcoming fear and discouragement, strengthening our faith and commitment, and more. For a limited time, we're offering the Elijah series on CD or digital download, along with the companion DVD Bible study kit as our thank you gift when you support Tony's work here on the air with a contribution. Just give us a call at 1-800-800-3222 to make the arrangements, and one of our team members will help you. Our phone center never closes, so call us any time of the day or night. Again, 1-800-800-3222. Or visit us online at TonyEvans.org. Well, Dr. Evans will bring us more of today's lesson right after this. The Bible makes it clear that you know when God has cursed a land, when its fathers are nowhere to be found. Dr. Tony Evans says that what becomes of the next generation of men depends on what happens with this one. Our kids need to see men in their midst who love God and who love them. But what does it take to be that kind of man? You can find out with the help of the Tony Evans Training Center's free course called Kingdom Man. It'll teach you to see past the phony images of manhood that society surrounds us with and become the loving leader that a wife and family would want to follow. As with all of our courses, there's in-depth study material you can work through at your own pace. Lots of exclusive content from Tony, tightly focused Q&A videos, and an online forum where you can collaborate with other students. It's almost like having a seminary on your smartphone. Check out the free course called Kingdom Man and the growing list of other subjects waiting for you. Visit TonyEvans.org today and follow the link to the Tony Evans Training Center. The disciples were on the Sea of Galilee in Mark chapter 4 and the storm came up and they were in this tumultuous situation. The storm controlled their theology. They said, don't you care that we perish? Because we're in this bad situation. So how can you care and I be in a storm? And you've asked that question, God. How can you care and I be in this health problem? How can you care and I be in this financial challenge? How can you care and I be in this difficult relational situation? How can you care and I be under this pressure? How can you care? It doesn't make sense. So here's a lady who's facing what you and I face, things that don't make sense. And so she lets him know how she feels because her circumstances, they're controlling her perspective. She has rejected now. She's ready to walk away from God. What do I have to do with you, old man of God? I want nothing to do with you. Implication, and I don't want your God either. How many people know people who don't go to church anymore, don't want God anymore because their circumstances has died on them? Because if God was God and God was real and God was true, This wouldn't happen to me, especially in light of the miracle I saw the other day or the other week or however long it was when he fed me. So here we have a dilemma, a dilemma we've all faced or know others who faced it. Elijah then takes over, verse 19. He says to her, give me your son. 
Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. Mm. We got a hurting mama here. And any mother in this situation is going to be hurting. But we got a man of God here and he says, give me your pain. Hand me your problem. He could have gone theological on him. He could have talked about the attributes of God. He could have talked about the perfections of his personhood. He could have talked about his sovereignty and how he can do what he wants when he wants. He could have talked about his omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence. He could have talked about God's veracity, mercy, grace. He could have talked about his love and his truth. Uh, But he's dealing with a woman who's hurting and who's confused theologically and who's about to walk away from God and wants to put him out of the house And he says, hand me your problem. What's the problem? The problem is a dead son. Hand me the thing that's ruining your faith right now. Let me say something to you. Everybody needs somebody in your life who cares enough about you to pick up a burden that's too heavy for you to handle. Everybody needs somebody in their life who loves you, cares enough for you, understands your pain, who's close enough to you, who'll say, give me your, the Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens. The great tragedy is if you don't have someone or if you refuse to be the someone. We have two extremes today in God's kingdom. We have people who are struggling with God who won't allow anybody in their circle to pick up their burden. And we've got Christians who are too selfish to be a burden bearer for somebody else. But this struggling woman had somebody close enough, even though she was struggling theologically and struggling spiritually, who didn't just give her a sermon, he gave her a hand. He said, hand the boy to me. If the kingdom of God, if the church of Jesus Christ is going to be authentic and real, then you're going to have to have both parties. You're going to have to have hurting people and you're going to have to have men and women of God who pick up the burden when it is crushing somebody and life has done them in. He didn't just say, I'm praying. He said, I'm going to give something of myself so that God can use me to help answer the very thing I am praying for. That's why the Bible says faith without works is dead. You don't just want to talk to God about it. You want God to use you to the extent that he can to do something about the thing that you are praying for. We got Christians everywhere who says, I'm praying for you, brother. I'm praying for your sister. I'm talking to God. Well, that's half of it. But the other half is, are you stretched out? What are you doing within the capacity that God has given you because you're in the vicinity of my need? She didn't just go out in the street. The man of God was in the vicinity, had a relationship because he got them fed, and now was willing to become part of the solution. God is looking for people who will talk to heaven and stretch out on earth, who will reach to glory, but also be usable in history. So he reaches up in prayer, but then he stretches out in sharing his life for the life of the boy who was lost. And so when he did this, something happened. 
Oh, this is going to get good here. It says, he stretched out three times and he called to the Lord and said, oh Lord, my God, I pray you let this child's life return to him. Now that's not what you call a small request. Okay, this is not, uh, this is not now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. That's not, that's not now Lord bless his food to my body in Jesus name, amen. No, no, no. Because you don't really know how to pray until something has died on you. Until a hope has died, a dream has died. Until your, 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 your health is de- uh, debilitating. You don't, you don't know because now you cry out to God. Now, it's a prayer from the heart, not repeating something you said 50 times or throughout your lifetime or throughout your week. He cries out to the Lord and he's very specific. He said, let this life be returned. Verse 22, the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the life of the child returned to him and he was revived. She piggybacked off of the spirituality of somebody else because this is spirituality she didn't have right then. She piggybacked off of Elijah's spirituality and it says at the end of verse 22, the child's life returned. God performs a miracle that she's not a part of. She too messed up to be a part of it. But she had in her circle a man of God who would act on her behalf and watch this, who would be the deliverer of the miracle she needed. Okay, girl needs the miracle. Elijah doesn't need the miracle. But the way she gets the miracle is through somebody else who could access it for her. So everybody in here should be one of two people. You should be a widow that is a person in a need. Or you should be an Elijah, somebody God can use to meet a need. Because one day, if you're an Elijah, you're going to be a widow. And one day, when God comes through, you may be a widow, but he turns you into an Elijah. He can use you for somebody now, because somebody's going to need to be used for you later when your world collapses. If your world seems to be collapsing around you right now, maybe it's time to start letting the Lord rebuild it. Here's Dr. Evans with a word about how that process begins. The greatest need in all of our lives is for the forgiveness of sins. And there's only one person who can do that. That's Jesus Christ. That's why he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And he offers forgiveness of sins. If you're carrying guilt for what you've done, fear for what you've done, Jesus Christ is right here, right now. If you go to him, confess your sinfulness to him and trust him to forgive you, he will do it on the spot and also grant you eternal life. If you're ready to do that, thinking about doing it, or even just curious, visit TonyEvans.org and click on the link at the top of the homepage that simply says Jesus. There, Tony will tell you all about what it means to be a Christian and walk you through everything you need to know to start a brand new life. Check it out today. And don't forget, while you're there, to request your copy of Dr. Evans' current series on the prophet Elijah. Remember, you can get instant access to digital downloads of all six full-length messages or request the complete collection on CDs. And as an added bonus, we'll include the comprehensive DVD Bible study kit that goes along with it. 
It's all our gift to you when you make a contribution to help keep Tony's teaching on this station. Get the details and make the arrangements online at TonyEvans.org. Or let one of our resource team members help you by calling 1-800-800-3222. That's 1-800-800-3222. Just when it feels like God is about to sweep in and deliver you from difficult circumstances, sometimes that's when things go from bad to worse. But next time, Dr. Evans will explain that's not the end of the story as he helps us see possibilities we may be missing. Be sure to join us for that. The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans is brought to you by The Urban Alternative and is made possible by the generous contributions of listeners like you. 